Hi friends, it's Almost Radical. I'm Nate. I'm Shelby. We're going to try something a little bit different. It's, it's a new format, a type of a show that we're going to mix in every once in a while. It's a certain type of episode we're going to do called a response episode. So the premise of this is that one of us will bring a, an article, a piece of audio, um, something like that, and play it or read it for the first time to the other person. And we can respond to it. That's pretty basic, pretty simple. Um, and we're going to get like kind of the live reaction of how it feels, what you think about it, uh, what you agree with, what you don't agree with, what parts kind of hit you the hardest or you struggle with, or or maybe you think other people would take issue with. Um, so this is going to be the first time we try this. We're really excited about trying out these episodes. And we were talking about them because we feel like one of the main things that we needed as we were you know, changing our faith, I mean, we still are, we've never really landed, but um, and then a thing that we feel like the listeners of the show are are looking for is to be, not not to use a, a, a super Christianese word, but like equipped in a sense. I got to come up with a better word. That's just, that is way too Christianese. <laughs> you never use that outside of church. We need um, to do a whole episode just on the words that you never use. Yeah. We talk about them sometimes. Glory. Glory. When do you ever yeah. use that? Yeah. Um, anyway, these do episodes. Life. Do life. Yeah. Uh, your, your, how's your heart? Uh-huh. Um, any, okay. We're getting off topic. But uh, a lot of times we find ourselves, especially those of us who are either still in a church community or still just in um, in daily life type of interactions with uh, people who are still a part of a Christian Christianity that we no longer maybe feel part of, um, we often face just claims and statements and premises that... F- we don't know how to respond to. And a lot of times it's because those statements are actually so deeply ingrained in us because we grew up believing them. So then when we, we get on the outside and someone says that, that thing to you again, it can feel really daunting of like, Oh my gosh, am I, am I totally off here? Something doesn't feel right about what they're saying, but I don't know how to articulate why it feels wrong. So that that's kind of just the heart behind why we, want to do some of these episodes. We're not out to just try and bash other people who are saying things. We don't want to come across as aggressive or abrasive or anything like that. We, we just want to provide tools for people who need it to understand um, some of the logical fallacies and some of the, the ways that these arguments that often get used against us are not always valid or not always helpful or not always true. Yeah, because I know I remember feeling like I was on the right track, right? Like I, I started to to just question things and really wrestle with that. And then it turned into like, no, I, it wasn't even a wrestling or a struggling. It was like, no, I think I, I think this is right. I think these questions that I have and this direction I'm going is is right. And I started to read and listen to podcasts and books and articles and just look at, you know, church history and just see like stuff like that. And, um, and I had all this information, but I'm just the kind of person that it's hard to like recall that in a discussion or sometimes an argument with someone. And so they would be bringing maybe a friend or a someone like that would be bringing something and they're like, well, what about this? You know, have you thought, and I'm like, ah, you know, it's just hard to articulate. And I think a lot of people are in that same position where they're like, well, yeah, that's easy for you, Shelby. It's easy for you, Tim, to like, just think of those things because you have all this research and all this knowledge and data and information. But for me, it's, I get cornered kind of in these spots. And so that really is the heart behind these. And yeah, it's not a, 
kind of attacking any kind of viewpoint or something like that is this show is for you to help you in these situations. Um, and so we're going to respond to lots of different types of things. And we encourage you mm -hmm. to submit stuff. Just go to almostheoretical.com. You, you can, can choose whether you want to send it to Nate or Shelby, just <laughs> whoever you want to present it live to the other person. Right. And uh, it could be an article you read. It could be a song you heard. It could be... Um, and it could just be, you know, a statement. Like you're like, ah, man, at, you know... At Easter dinner, I, you know, my someone in my family said, "Well, how can you, you know, how can you argue with the fact that all the the, the disciples died for Christ, and so obviously he must have risen from the dead?" And you're like, "Ah, I didn't know what to say in that moment." Like you mm. can send in that kind of thing too. You could send in that one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so um, yeah, so send them in. We hope this becomes a kind of a, a format for some shows that we do in the future. Mix them in amongst guest interviews, amongst some of the stuff that you're used to hearing where we kind of dive into the texts and look at the original languages and that type of thing. We're going to keep doing all that type of stuff. This is a new, just an additional format type of show we're going to introduce. So, all right. So are you ready for the, it's going to be audio this week. It's a, it's a clip of a sermon. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So this is um, a pastor named Matt Chandler. Oh yeah. And Explicit I think- Explicit gospel. What's that? I thought it was one of his books, The Explicit Gospel. Oh, I don't know. I really don't know much about this guy, except that he's in Texas. Um, and again, so just, we're going to say it again. Like, I don't have, we don't have like issues with Matt Chandler. I mean, obviously we're, a lot of the things we're going to play or whatever, we will, we will disagree with what they're saying or how they're saying it or the nuance of it or something like that. But we're not out to like try to take down Matt Chandler or something, <laughs> something no. like that. But it's important to look at these things that, that some of these people are saying because uh, it could be holding a lot of people back. It could be holding you back. It could be hurting and triggering in some ways. And so we want to kind of dive in and talk about these things. So this is from a sermon. He said some other things we've talked about on Utterly Heretical about deconstruction, um, uh, specifically like, you know, if you've once you've experienced Jesus, you can't really, you can't deconstruct that. It's impossible to deconstruct that. We've, we've, we've already referenced that and addressed that and responded yeah, that to that. claim that if you're, if you deconstruct, then it means your faith was never real to begin with. Right. So, yeah. So we have I a whole episode on that. On yeah. Go heretical. listen to Utterly Heretical. It's a patron only, it's a supporter only show that we do, a second podcast we do. You get a couple episodes a month of that and a bunch of other stuff if you become a patron. So go to almostheretical.com and you can find that episode and become a patron for a few dollars a month. So, but this is going to be a different thing. And okay. not a lot of people responded to this. A lot of people, you saw that on Twitter and things like people were responding to that other statement you made about deconstruction. But this one I didn't hear as much about. And I think it's it's going to be important to address. So, have we built this up long enough? Can we I think just start, so. Can we the intro to doing? most response episodes will not be this long. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, here it is. Now, I, I want to acknowledge church hurt and betrayal is a real thing, but that is the most self-righteous pronouncement I think a person can say. Are you serious? What? Okay. Well, so, okay. So, he's going to be talking about church hurt, um, okay. which, yeah, so, first I'm, of all, how would you define because I think that's, that's going to be part of this clip, is defining what church hurt actually is. So you're going to hear him kind of define it and respond to his definition. But mm. just before we even get there, how would you define church hurt? Well, I think there are probably a couple different ways that that can happen and different ways people have experienced church hurt. One of them is, uh, one of them is people who... Um, not just people who 
hurt them, like not just a, a friend who, you know, somehow hurt them in the church, but then the way that the church handles that as well. So like, I think of people that I know who have left churches due to being hurt by that church. Um, it's, it's often like a systemic, like there was a lack of accountability or there was a cover up by the administration of the church or something like, like it's this, um, larger level kind of a, a process, but then it can also be just people coming out of a, a church, maybe of people who are all wonderful, um, good people, but they, but the, the things that they were teaching were harmful. And so, you know, you, they come out of, people come out of a church and end up thinking, wow, that was almost like a cult, like these things that I was taught to believe and taught not to question. And, you know, whether it's about gender roles or um, really extreme forms of hell or, or things like that, um, the way the things you believe can be part of church hurt. But I think that when most people talk about, like if someone says church hurt or church abuse um, is one of the reasons that they ended up leaving the church or leaving Christianity. Um, I think it is often like a, a power politics drama within a church that involves a lot of people and a lot of kind of underhanded, um, underhandedness. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with that. Like that it's, you kind of said the first one and the second one there. The first one I think is probably what he's mostly talking about. And I think what, Maybe a lot of people talk about when they think of church hurt. Although I think the other one is the catalyst for a lot of people deconstructing, you know, like the things they were taught at a church. And those things I think can be hurtful. And we'll get into more of this, but... Yeah, um, I need to hear why Matt Chandler would okay. say that that's self-righteous. I'm okay, confused. all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep going here. Like, I, I, like j- the disciples don't bail on Jesus because of Judas. Okay. Well, that took a turn I didn't see coming. Um... Does he say more about that? Let's see here. Let's go keep going a little bit. They got their eyes on Jesus. They're, they're blown away by Jesus. They're not looking around going, oh man, all these people were following him. And man, look at that. They're inconsistent. You're inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. This is the only community there is that celebrates the fact that we're all in process. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Woo, a lot, a lot of getting packed in here. Um, I also want to just maybe call out uh, as we continue listening to this clip now that I'm hearing some of it. Um, just the, 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 uh, manner in which he's speaking is a little triggering to me. Like maybe aggressive to maybe? Or? Yeah. It's just, it feels very aggressive and, you know, I feel like I'm in trouble and, mm. um, so I just want to acknowledge that for some people, this might be hard to listen to, not even necessarily because of what he's saying, but just how he's saying it. Which is a good reminder for me as well, that even just in this episode and future episodes, I, as I said before, I don't, I don't want to come across like this. I would want even Matt Chandler to be able to listen to this episode and feel like he's understood and accurately represented, even if disagreed with. So, so it yeah. kind of feels like there's like three things that were said yeah. here. There's the Judas the line. Judas, even the disciples didn't leave Jesus because of Judas or something like that. And then his statement about how we're all inconsistent. And then something about how we're, um, we're the only community... Christianity is the only community that celebrates process. So okay, okay. so that, that feels like a lot. So let's that's like, a lot. Let's break them down one at a time. So the the Judas line, like, what would your response be to that? When I think about the disciples, I think of, I mean, 
we've talked, we can talk a lot about who the disciples were. But if we're just talking about the 12, for example, the 12 disciples, they're all kind of on this equal playing field, maybe with um, Peter, James, and John being slightly more favored than the others. But 12 apostles, leaders, disciples brought under Jesus. And one of them, Judas, goes and does this crazy thing, and betrays Jesus. That's not really equivalent at all to church hurt and church abuse, particularly abuse of authority. Like that's, that would be more, in my mind, that would be more equivalent to, you know, you're going to church every Sunday with these people and one of those people has an affair or like does something crazy. Then you'd be like, oh man, that person messed up big, but that wouldn't affect your perspective of the whole church. What affects your perspective of the whole church is when one of the leaders does something crazy and then, and then it's, you know, handled, mishandled and something like that. Like it's different to just have your 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 buddy and your co-disciple kind of go off the rails. Well, let's say it's even, it even is the leader, right? Like oftentimes just one person being inconsistent, even if it's your leader, you'd be like, oh, that was hard. Like I heard, I heard uh, about Jesus through this person or this person mm-hmm. taught me the Bible, True. but I don't, I don't see a lot of people being like, so then I'm done with Christianity because I'm done with the church. I'm out because that one person messed up. Is If their experience is that, but everyone else is still on the straight and narrow and still following. And like, I don't know that, that I, I don't hear that experience a lot that like, mm-hmm. even if it was a prominent person in your life, when they messed up, or had an affair, like were involved in abuse or whatever, like that they, they were done, like that you were done. Like, I don't know. I don't see that, ex- that experience a lot. It's usually what it is. And you, you mentioned it. It's usually the, that, uh, that leader or something happens within the church and then the leader doesn't respond to it appropriately. You think of like, and I, I've been mentioning them in, in recent episodes, but like the Sovereign Grace Ministry example, let's take that. So something happens in one of the churches with one of the leaders. It's not C.J. Mahaney, it's not Joshua Harris, but they don't respond to it appropriately. They respond kind of, but they don't respond to it appropriately. And then people leave because of the mishandling mm-hmm. of something, not right. because there was that one inconsistent leader in that one church. I mean, I don't know of anyone who, probably the person that, the people that were directly abused in, abused or involved in that would yeah. be like, yeah, I'm done. This is If that's what that person is going to do and claim the name of Jesus, like I'm done. But most of the people looking on in this situation or at other churches of the Sovereign Grace Ministry Church, I don't even know what they call it, the, the network or whatever, they would leave because of the mishandling of mm-hmm. that or other people looking on even outside of sovereign grace saying i'm 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 leaving this is if this is what the church is like that they can they care more about whatever the quote unquote gospel is than helping victims and standing up for them and reporting and doing all the appropriate things you're supposed to do i'm i'm done with this you know and oftentimes they're not even leaving christianity i'll say that too oftentimes they're not leaving christianity they're leaving the church so which which that actually gets right into this the other thing i was thinking as i was thinking about okay what is like the what is the basis of what he's saying here what's the premise the uh, the premise that i think he's getting at here though he hasn't said it maybe he'll say it later on i don't know is the kind of don't throw out the baby with the bathwater thing like don't rule out jesus because of the judas which as we just talked about i don't think is a good analogy but i think that's kind of what he's getting at um and i don't know about you but i've heard that a ton of this don't throw out the baby with the bathwater concept there's bad apples right right mark driscoll's a bad apple yeah he's not a result of masculine theology or whatever that leads to this, you know, no, he's just a bad apple. And I think that relates to what you just said a second ago 
in that a lot of times people aren't leaving Christianity entirely, um, or at least maybe not at first, but, um, and, and people can go any direction, but a lot of times they're just leaving maybe that specific church or that specific denomination, or they're just stepping back because they go, something here's not right, and I don't know what it is, and I need to figure it out before I can come back to some form of faith. So, for, for him to just broad take a broad stroke against everyone who steps away from some kind of church hurt and to say that they are throwing out Jesus is a, a big overstatement because I'd say most people who leave the church are actually probably very devoted to Jesus. And that's why, in a lot of cases, they're so disillusioned by the abuse or mishandling or unaccountability that they see in the church. Okay, so let's move on to the second part of this, which is inconsistencies. I'm inconsistent. You're inconsistent. We're all inconsistent. Name a Christian that isn't inconsistent, which is where he's going here in a second. But um, so I see this as equating church hurt with experiencing inconsistency in someone or a group of people. Like people are imperfect. We're all sinners. Right. Do you agree with that? Disagree with that? Like, is that what church hurt is? I mean, you've defined it differently already. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where when we start from a different starting point, like our trajectory of this, even the way he's going and the way that we go with this conversation are already taking some pretty different directions. Because when, I mean, when you're talking about instances of real abuse or trauma, which I think, I don't know that Matt Chandler's really addressing those right now. But when you talk about real abuse and hurt, then to say, well, everyone's imperfect, we all mess up sometimes, is incredibly invalidating of actual victims in actual situations where something wrong has been done. Hmm. And to say that we're all imperfect, I guess maybe it's just him getting back to that same concept of um, the baby in the bathwater thing of, you know, we're all imperfect and you should know that, but Jesus is perfect, so don't don't throw out Jesus. But as we were saying before, I don't know that that's what people are really doing. Okay, so the most shocking statement here, probably of all, to me, is his line of, this is the only, what did he say? Like, this is, the, we're the this only... the only community in the world? I don't know if he said in the world. Just play it again. Yeah, let's, let's play just it play it again. Something about process. This is the only community there is that celebrates the fact that we're all in process. This is the only community there is that celebrates the fact that we're all in process. I mean... <laughs> AA comes to mind. Like, mm. if you just take out all religion, like, everyone knows that Alcoholics Anonymous and a lot of the anonymous groups that are out there, that's the whole That's the whole point, is it's a, it is a process. They might even call it a process. Right, and a lot of AA groups are Christian-based, so I come to think of it, I think, you know, someone might say, see, it's because they're Christian, so they acknowledge that. But I think that any any of us who have had other communities... Therapy. Of Therapy is a process yeah. too. So, well, if anything, I think that our experience is probably that communities outside the church seem more affirming of the fact that we're all in process. Like, I think most of us in the church have felt like in the church feels more strict and rigid, and like we're trying to be perfect here. Which, I mean, I'm an Enneagram one. I'm all for perfection, but uh, I think that the church probably only built that up in me more, and it's the groups outside the church that I felt more accepted for just being in process. But then, and then specifically other religions, I mean, 
Buddhism absolutely is uh, about the process. Taoism, Hinduism, like it's it's just a huge overstatement to say that we're the only community that values process. Right. I mean, I'm thinking this is like a really simple example, but like I'm even thinking of just youth soccer, which <laughs> daughter just got involved in like youth soccer, first grade. Uh, it's definitely a process, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're working on, I'm, and I'm coach. And so like, we're working on like, how do you, the ball goes out of bounds, how do you pick it up and like put it over your hand, head with two hands and, and throw it in bounds. You know, we know that the second and third graders and fourth graders and fifth, they're not dealing with that. It's this process. And it's a community of people <laughs> that are devoted to in this one area, helping shape these young girls into better soccer players. So, and there's a lot of life lessons that come with that too, that girls were on the bench and they're flinging a wet sock at each other's face because it was this <laughs> very rainy game. And, uh, and we're like, hey, you know, let's not do that. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's more than just, some of them be like, well, that's just soccer. You're just talking about soccer. Like, yeah. But like we're, we're shaping, that's what a coach is, right? When you, especially you get to, you know, junior high and then high school and university, you're coaching these athletes, but a lot of times when the, that athlete comes back and is talking about their coach years later, they're like, taught me to be a, mm. a better person, taught mm -hmm. me to to care about, you know, my academics, taught me to, like, it's not just about like, how did I play basketball or how did I play soccer? Like, it's um, about being that better person. Mm -hmm. That's a community and process. And it's, yeah. a, you know, weak example maybe, but like there are other communities out there that are about, I mean, I think even think of like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and some of those type of yeah. campfire kid type of programs. There's very much like a coming of age type of um, uh, type of feel to those where you're you're earning badges. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't get all your badges at the beginning. It's a process of earning badges, learning things. Right. And I think the message of, you know, you, you don't have to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes and learn and try and ask for help. Like that's one of the most common messages out there among, you know, schools and yeah things like girl scouts or boy scouts like that's uh, that's not a christian idea at okay so let, let's see so try to fix that line for matt chandler maybe what what could he have possibly meant maybe he was trying to okay. say something different i mean i think what he's getting at is the theology that um we're all sinners and so such bad sinners that jesus needed to die to save us and so if we are all this, you know, such bad sinners, then it shouldn't be a surprise or it isn't a surprise that we mess up and hurt each other. Yeah. And this is a community that's founded on that. That's the basic theology of right. his gospel is that we are those we are those people and we're trying to become more like this other person who was perfect. And so it's that is a process and that's what this group is founded on. I mean, I don't maybe if he hadn't said we're the only group we would have less issue with this yeah, statement. Yeah, that's true. If he if he'd simply said, you know, we are a community that is based on us all being in process. Like, yeah, that is true, but still is kind of letting off the hook some pretty serious cases of abuse. Yeah, it's diminishing abuse, hurt, bad theology that leads to hurt. It's diminishing that all to being inconsistent. You know, it's yeah. saying those are all just versions of someone being inconsistent. I feel like that's a little bit of a different type of thing to address, which is also people have issues with Christians being inconsistent. You believe this thing, but you vote for this guy. or you. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something, but that's not the main 
push of what I what I hear when mm-hmm. I see people leaving. Okay, we gotta get we gotta move on here because there's there's a lot more to get to. There's more. There's more. Hey, Brian, do you know anyone that was once a teenage fundamentalist? Oh, Troy, you know that I was because you and I have a podcast called I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. I did know that. But you know what I find myself asking these days? No, I don't, but I think you're going to tell me. What about all those things that church gave us definite answers for? What are we supposed to think about all those things now? Well, funnily enough, that's what we're doing for season five of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. Ooh, Brian. I sense the Lord at work here. Mm, He works in mysterious ways. And we are going to unpack these things. We're going to find out what we do think about them now. So tune in to Season 5 of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, the official podcast for the Azusa Street Revival. (laughs) Um, I'm not quite sure that's true, but it is available wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody's there yet. Like to demand that you get grace and nobody else is, is self-righteousness. And to punt on Jesus because some Christian, you know, isn't up to your standards is a dangerous place to stand before a living God. Whoa. Okay. One, I didn't, I did not entirely follow what he was saying, but that last part of it is just so threatening. Like to, I, I'm my my body was like wait what just suddenly like wait how did this conversation suddenly become about a dangerous place to stand before a living God that's I mean we talk about this all the time hell is very close to any conversation you're having in these circles right like hell is not far off and so hell just got hell just got put on the table here right and and in this conversation which is very weird I mean what it sounds like he's saying is if you like you step away from Jesus or the church because you've been hurt, then you're, yeah, you're, God's angry with you and that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, why is it, and and so that's the next question of like, why is it dangerous? Because you could end up in hell. Yeah, you're never more than three wise, maybe five away from hell. Yeah, we gotta do an episode about that someday. Okay, let's keep going. Now you want grace for you, you better give it to somebody else. I mean, the whole like, you want grace for you, you better give it to someone else. Um, it's just this weird equating of all sin, to use a Christianese term. Yeah, yeah. Which I think, I, I mean, I remember feeling that way as a kid, feeling like it doesn't seem fair that, you know, I uh, forgot to clean my room and somehow that sin of, you know, disrespecting my parents is equal to someone who like murders someone and we both have to be saved from hell now. I remember feeling like that's not fair. And that's kind of what's happening here of just, you know, okay, well, you want grace for your you know, you lost your patience with your, your kid this morning. Like, is that the same as saying that someone who abused a, a child in like a, you know, church environment, is that the same grace that we're talking about? Hmm. Like, I, that just feels, again, which I think the, the problem is, I don't think that Matt Chandler's addressing those kinds of abuse. Right. I think he's just thinking you have some petty disagreements with some people in church you don't get along with. Which I don't know. I mean, I know of people that church hop because of that. Yeah. And church shop because of that. But I don't know of a lot of people that are like, I'm done with church. 
I'm done with Christianity. And maybe he's not addressing I'm done with Christianity. Yeah. Maybe he's just addressing I'm done with church. I don't know a lot of people. It takes, it feels like it takes more than that to, for someone to be like, and so I'm, you know, yeah, I'm done with that. Like, I don't need that in my life because all those Christians are just, you know, everyone I've met or I've met enough that are inconsistent. So it, it is, it's kind of the straw man. He built up an, a mm-hmm. something that he's, I don't think is that accurate right. of why people are leaving. And then he's just like kind of knocking it down, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's keep going here. That's what he says. Like you, hey, you like the brothers because of the gospel, not because they're likable. Anybody know Christians they don't like? I got my hand up. Yeah, same thing. Oh, y'all, y'all feel like you can't be honest? Do you see that? Like four of you, you liars. Seriously, you know Christians you don't like? Come on, there it is. Thank you. Oh my gosh, yes. Do you know how many Christians don't like you? I mean, I got such a list. I'm probably adding to it today. (laughs) No, listen, we have been born of imperishable seed, not perishable seed. What God has planted, he will carry on to conclusion. What? Oh, maybe there's, maybe there's, I felt a little out of the blue. So what's one way to use some verses of seemingly out of context? Like what, wait, what is God carrying to conclusion? I don't even know where he's going. It's back to like the process thing. So like you're in process I'm in process. We're all in process. Well, Don't explain judge. that with a Ravi Zacharias situation. Did God carry that to conclusion? I get. I don't. But I don't think he's addressing. Yeah. The Ravis true. and the Driscolls and the whatever. Where you're. But I mean, we, yeah, we never. Nobody ever reaches perfection, except in other religions. But. <laughs> right. I, again, I mean, like at this point, he's just kind of going on that same line he's built up this yeah this um issue which is that people are leaving because they have the yeah these petty disputes they can this this person kind of bothers them and bugs them which actually doesn't quite line up with the inconsistent like they're saying people are inconsistent he's kind of saying both things he's kind of saying i'm kind of bugged by these people you know because now he's on this like raise your hand if there's christians you don't like you know well, don't not liking someone is different than them being inconsistent. Unless the reason you don't like them is because they're inconsistent. But he's kind of making it sound like they're I don't like they they bug me, they bother me, you know, which is different than being inconsistent. So now we're kind of the argument's kind of split off a little bit here. But both of these are not really still addressing actual harmful theology that's impacting LGBTQ people and women and minorities and um, and abuse real abuse um and and abuse of power and things like that so and i almost i almost want to like even just the the laughter over this last clip kind of bothered me um because i was thinking about you know what if there's someone in this congregation listening to this sermon Hmm. um in the middle of all those people who are laughing probably laughing along with them who is experiencing or in the middle of experiencing some form of abuse from people in power in that church. And I have no, no connection to that church to like, I'm not saying that there's that happening, but it could all that to say, if someone is experiencing that and then they're listening to their pastor preach this sermon, essentially making fun of people who he's saying, leave the church because they won't give grace to people who are just imperfect like, I can't imagine being that person and trying to, to wade through. It's sort of gaslighting, I guess, of just, you know, someone 
to feel like, am I overreacting by, by feeling abused when right. maybe, maybe this is just part of Christian mercy and grace, then I should just let it go. Yeah, they're definitely pretty, conf- they'd be pretty confused after this. Like, I think internally they'd be like, oh, I don't know, right. maybe and- I should stick it out, you know? Which I think is what a lot of people in a- abusive situations feel. Like, that's what's so tricky about if you're being abused by your youth leader or your pastor, or even if it's an abusive uh, abusive power situation, what's so tricky about it is like, yeah, but that's the man of God. Like, wait, mm. you know, that's when you hear these stories, that's usually what you're hearing is people are like, but they told me like, this is what God wants. Or, you know, like it's this tricky situations. And Julianne Smith does a lot of work on this. She's been on this show before and mm-hmm. I encourage you to go read her blog. Um, yeah, it, uh, it just... It saddens me because this sermon could have been so different. And this is also a good place to say that there are many, many Christian pastors, evangelical pastors, who would handle this topic differently. Like Matt Chandler doesn't doesn't um, reflect everyone, but he does reflect a lot of people. That this sermon could and I think should have been so much more empathetic and acknowledging real hurt does happen from people in the name of Jesus and that that's awful and horrible. And then, you know, he, as someone who is a, you know, an, an evangelical Christian pastor could very well say that, you know, that doesn't represent Jesus to me. And it, you know, it is horrible to me and it haunts me and I'm doing everything I can to, to make us a community where that doesn't happen. But that's not at all what the sermon is doing. Instead, it's minimizing and, and I mean, acting like there's no real abuse that ever happens in the church. Okay, let's, uh, let's play a little bit more here. He began the good work, he'll finish it. That means I move towards you to try to understand. But we don't have to be best buds. Like, you've, you've got to, guys, we, we can't, this is, this is one of those ploys, man. It's one of those kind of generational moments where everywhere you look, somebody's dogging the church. Gosh, she's always been a mess. Church has always been a mess. There's just social media now. Oh. <laughs> church has always been a mess. There's just social media now. There's everywhere you look, someone's talking. I mean, he's talking about our show. He's talking about shows like this and this movement. Twitter. Of people, yeah, uh, leaving or being critical of the church, big C, capital C church, like all of it, um, or their specific thing that they experienced in their church, the theology, like there's lots of different things, but that's what he's talking about always he says it's always the church has always been a mess there's just social media now like that somehow makes the mess okay yeah that's like saying um there's you know men have always taken advantage of women there's just the me too movement now that's shining light on it <laughs> yeah like, that's, like, wow that's a great example yeah it's like well does that it's <laughs> a good thing right it's <laughs> like, a good thing that should be a good thing and it should shine a light all the way back on the beginning of this taking advantage of women by men and say like it was wrong the whole time and but people how, were just silenced. And how great it is now that we have this mechanism to bring this to light and to Hear change. voices that we never heard, yeah, and to yeah. change. And to be better. And so, to say, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting concession that he gives there. It's like the church is, I mean, he's not, we've already said, like, the, the stuff we're talking about, this abuse and this real hurt from, like, just bad theology or hurtful theology, harmful theology, masculine, theolo- masculine theology, we're saying that's the, that's the hurt that we're seeing people leaving over. So he's not saying, yeah, that's always been the way it is. And, um, and there's just social media pointing it out now. 
he's not saying this abuse has always been going on. Now there's just social media pointing it out. So what's the big deal? He's he's saying these petty disputes that we all have, like that's always been the way it is. You know, now there's just social media so people can gripe about all their little church complaints they have. So yeah. we're, we are talking about slightly different things. I don't think he would, pro- I hope he wouldn't say that about, yeah, there's always been abuse in the church. There's just people talking about it on social media now. Like that would be, right. that's, a, that's a little bit of a higher... Worse statement, I, I guess, I mean, than what he said. But as we've said, yeah, he has been talking about kind of a lower level. But the fact that he even made this statement, I mean, usually these petty disputes and people you don't like, that's not what people are tweeting about. That's not what social media is about. Like the mm-hmm. stuff that he's now, like just by making this reference to social media, exposing a church's mess, like he is kind of bringing in the fact that he does know that there are bigger things that have been happening and things that people are making a, you know, maybe he would say making a stink about, but like there is actual, uh, there are real problems and real messes Mm -hmm. that people have been exposing. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, keep going. But accountability isn't abuse and calling people to holiness isn't controlling. It's the book. That took me that I just had just now wrapping my mind around that first phrase, accountability is an abuse. I was like, wait, what? And I realized now he's saying, so there's someone in a church who um, is called to a higher standard. You know, there's a sermon that's calling them out for their sin of, I don't know whether it's misspending their money or, you know, sleeping with their boyfriend or something. And so now they say, eh, I was hurt by my church. Like, that's what he's saying is happening is that, no, we were just holding you accountable and now you're calling it abuse. He's not talking about his, he's defining accountability and abuse differently than we've been doing in this conversation. But he would maybe even talk about, let's say the the person that's coming there that is trying to figure out and understand and, and come to grips with their Mm -hmm. sexuality. Mm -hmm. And he would say, and we called you to a, to the standard of the Bible, which is very, I mean, like we have, we have episodes about that. We'll probably do more about that. The Bible is not clear. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Um, And he's saying, and you're going to call that, you're going to leave the church and say like, that was abusive theology. That was what, you know, like, or women saying, you know, you. This is oppressive. Right. This is oppressive. There's only men in leadership and you're preaching these sermons about how women can't be in leadership and, and why that is and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to say that's, or men leaving too, saying that's oppressive. That's, um, I mean, I left, I left, I left and didn't go back and decided I need to be in, in, at first it was like, I need to be involved in these type of churches where there, where women can be everything and probably are, um, was a, was a, an important factor or LGBTQ people can be everything and probably are. That was another important factor for me. So he would look at someone that left because of that and say like, Oh, we just called you to a higher standard and to, we called you to biblical authority and, and you, you left. called that abuse. Right. Yeah. Which is just a big misread of the situation. And then what was the second part of that? So calling people to a higher standard isn't controlling. It's the book. Calling people to holiness isn't controlling. Calling people to holiness. It's it's the book. In the video, he's like pointing at the Bible and he's saying like, I didn't, it's kind of like the whole, like, I'm not, I'm just up here saying what this thing says. Yeah. And you hear this a lot from a lot of Christian leaders. um, A lot of the the top, you know. uh, Right. This is just what the Bible says. Yeah. And yeah, we've, we've addressed that a lot on this, on this podcast. And I mean, I think specifically in the, the woman series, we addressed over and over again, the fact that the Bible may say something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we just take it as it says. Right. 
and a lot of the basis for these type of sermons to be able to say, I'm just saying, I'm just preaching the what the Bible says, and you're calling that like it's on a topic like women or LGBTQ or countless other things, <laughs> you know. But and 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 they're saying, I've synthesized the Bible down for you to tell mm. you what the the biblical you know, answer is on this topic or the biblical response to this thing is, and you just don't like it. So you're, you're feeling like you're abused or whatever there. What, what this show, if this show exists for one reason, it would be to say that the Bible is not the, there's not one, um, interpretation, interpretation. There's not one, like, this is what the Bible says about women. This is what the Bible says about LGBTQ people. This is what the Bible says about, um, creation like how the earth got here like right for a couple reasons because first of all the bible often doesn't say just one thing often there's multiple perspectives within the collection of scriptures but secondly the claim that the bible says this has like there's the assumption that therefore that's what god says Mm -hmm. and those don't always go together yeah there's a lot of steps there to in that to say the bible is clear on this is a big step which we've i think done a lot to like shake on this show and then uh, the next step of like, okay, let's let's give you the Bible does say that. Let's just say it does. That we're supposed to also think that and form our life around that. Like that's a that's another big step to to say. Like it's it's hard it's hard to get there from what the, <laughs> the things that are in the Bible to say like okay that's supposed to be. Anyways, that's kind of getting okay. Let's let's listen to a little bit more here. Okay. And you, I mean, we're losing a ton of people that are looking at the brokenness of the church like it's brand new. No, gosh, would you feel comfortable here if it wasn't? I'm not talking about toxic, abusive wickedness. There is something like that that needs to be exposed and people need to be removed and people, but man, I I mean, I've been president of Max Winnett for over a decade, man. It's like 700 guys. They love Jesus, man. They're doing the best they can. They're not in this for money or power. Just trying to love God's people and and the sheep bite, man. Okay, hold on here. So, okay, so first of all, if you don't know him, he is, and you don't know what he just referenced there, it's Acts 29. It's a church planting network. Um, and he mentions 700 leaders. Those are all going to be men. I think he says guys or something like that. But, I mean, Acts 29 is a very conservative church planting network. It's all going to be men, leaders. Um, and he's kind of going with this argument of, and I, and I agree to an extent, uh, he's saying these are godly men that just, they're not trying to like control you and get power and get money and get all this, you know, which, um, there is some pushback of that from people. And, you know, sometimes on this show we've, we've talked about, and, you know, maybe you've heard Tim and I debate a little bit about like our pastors out to like, get power and like maintain their power or is it and maybe my position is more of like they are they're just trying to preach the bible what they think is true and i give them a lot of a lot of leeway a lot of grace to to be like i just i mean i just disagree with a lot of the outcomes and a lot of what they're saying but i don't question like i'm like honestly i don't question the heart of john piper I think he's like he's, trying. He's doing the best that he can. Right. And he legitimately he thinks believes. he is um, doing what he's supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I can respect someone in that. I can also disagree and, and use this show to talk about how some of these ideas are harmful and they lead to people being hurt a lot of times. Right. But someone like John Piper, we don't think that 
he's some malicious person who's right. just trying to get rich. No, I don't think Matt Chandler is trying. And this could change at any minute if you've like <laughs> so these stories come out sometimes and you hear like, oh, okay, wow, Robbie's like, right. I would have said probably a couple years ago, I probably would have said that. Like, I don't think he's out to like, but you know, these stories come out. I'm not saying that about Matt Chandler. I'm not saying that about John Piper, or any of these guys. I'm just saying that can change. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't see that. coming. But yeah, for know. the most part, we, because we were these people, like right. you were a church leader you were a church planter i was a missionary like we know what it feels like to do this because we genuinely believe it and we want to spend our lives trying to preach the gospel and i remember our church spoke about how it's the the authority of the man comes under god and women come under man and Mm -hmm. how that's why men are the leader like i was a part of this i was i was one of the leaders i was the pastor of these churches and um and i thought i was just saying what the Bible says, right? Like, I'm just preaching what the Bible says. It's not me, it's the book, right? And, but then through this show, actually, I connected with someone who had been a part of that church and left. And I remember at the time thinking, I wonder why they left. Like, probably just couldn't handle the truth. The truth, they probably couldn't, you know, we're calling them to this higher standard here of, of life and the way we live and we're out preaching the gospel, we're doing all this stuff. And, um, and they shared that it was, it was specifically about our stance on women is why they left mm. and that, um, that women couldn't be in leadership. In fact, they saw, it was, it was partially that, but it was partially kind of worse. It was like they saw women kind of degraded in our, oh, wow. in our community and in our group. And I was like, I'm really, so, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I know that I was a part of that. And even if I wasn't the, the main leader of the whole thing, I was a leader in that and I didn't mm. speak up. I didn't say, hey, this is making me uncomfortable. This is, this feels wrong. This feels, you know. Because maybe at that point it wasn't making you uncomfortable because that was what you thought the Bible said and the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Right. But I wasn't like this malicious person right. like trying to oppress women and keep my power because I'm the man and I want to I want to be the one. Like I thought that's what the Bible said, mm-hmm. but it turns out people were hurt by what mm-hmm. I believed and what I was preaching, what I was saying. So... Again, I don't think he's, I think when he says he's got these 700 guys, he knows them personally. They're these men of God that are just trying to do what the Bible says. I, I mean, that, I think that is true, but you also have 700 Yep, maybe men. not for all 700. Right. I mean, one can hope, but statistically we, we know that there's a lot of abuse and toxic power that happens within the church and among 700 Guys, that's, you know, you don't, I mean, I, I think maybe Matt Chandler's doing himself a little bit of a disservice by trying to paint it as if this doesn't happen in our church. Like, go with, it, it, it probably does. And maybe tell us about how, I mean, he did at the beginning of this, that last clip you just played, say something about like toxic um, wickedness ha- does happen and that needs to be exposed. So, I mean, at least he said that, but, but what... Yeah, we, he's never been very clear in this sermon about what is that and what is the church hurt that you're talking about because he's talking about them like they're different different things. Yeah, and he talks about it like this this um, this real abuse type of stuff is so rare and like yeah, I mean that, that you know we'll address that, but like for all this other stuff that you guys are he's downplaying the one and then like but all this like little bickering you guys got between each right, other because you don't really bite. like each other. Yeah, this sheep bite. He said that. Yeah. That so I think what he's getting at is just you know us leaders we're doing the best we can and we just get nitpicked for the littlest thing. It's like well I 
I'd like to hear some examples from people who are actually saying that they've been hurt because I don't think they're nitpicking just the littlest things. I mean, I mean, I've been part of a church that had some drama over the worship leader and what kind of music and all of that. But uh, that's, and, you know, people, some people did leave that church to go look for a different church and, and it was, you know, painful for everyone. But, but that's not the same as people who are stepping away from Christianity entirely because of, of, of a more significant and deeper and systemic kind of a, a problem, which is kind of what we've been saying this whole time. Which I would say is common and he would say is rare, I think. And I think that's maybe so. the difference here. So, and that's why we started us all talking about the definitions of all these things, uh, the definition of church hurt, because I think we're talking about different things here. And I think um, what Matt Chandler is talking about is these kind of petty disputes, which, yeah, have been around for a long time. You can read those in the biblical texts with the early, yeah. uh, with the apostles and stuff. Um, and then there are deeper things, which we, which I mean, he's right. They are being exposed because of social media. I would just say that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, and I would say it's common, not rare, that people are leaving because of, even if it's hurtful theology, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, he would say, well, it's, but it's the theology. So, and that's the sort of something we talk about on this show a bit too, like kind of like, well, it's the book, you know, I, it's this, I didn't say it. The book said it, the Bible said it, God said it. So you're not really offended at me. You're offended at the truth. And I just think there's a lot more gray area than that. Mm -hmm. It's not as black and white as some of these people want to believe. Okay. Let's wrap this up um, with the last 20 seconds here. Okay. But we don't, we don't talk about it. the sheep don't bite. They're all just, you know, abused by power hungry people. It's ridiculous. No, you love the brothers with a pure heart. Now I love, I love that he put a pure heart, referencing back probably to the Beatitudes. And here's what I love about the pure heart. Pure heart's not perfect, it's just honest. A pure heart's perfect, it's not perfect, it's honest. Okay, so I, I mean my whole, my eyebrows shot up at when he said, that's just ridiculous. Just because it just felt so incredibly invalidating of people's a lot of people's real hurt but then i'm trying to follow what he said at the end there about being pure in heart and i'm wondering maybe that's what the this you know exegesis of the sermon is on the beatitudes or something because he's referring to you know blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god i'm wondering how this topic would have come out of that though wow packs a lot in a couple of sentences um so the sheep don't bite Everyone's like, oh, we're just abused by power-hungry people. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's so incredibly invalidating. It makes my stomach turn upside down. Just, I mean, he's making fun of people who are saying that they've been abused by the church. Just directly making fun of them. Saying they are ridiculous. I don't know if there's more I need to say about that. And then he says to, to love the brothers with a, a pure heart. And I'm guessing that that's the Greek word that means brothers and sisters, but I guess they're choosing to use the translation that just says brothers. Um, but that that's the conclusion that he's coming to here is just love. Love those, love the people. Like stop, stop saying that you're experiencing abuse. Just love them. Like, well, I mean, that's what, like that is an abusive message. I mean, if that is, like, that's what an abuser tells a victim to do. It's like, just take it. Don't complain. Don't speak up. 
And I'm not saying that Matt Chandler is that or that he even realizes. If anything, he is the product of this type of theology. Like this is what he probably learned and grew up hearing and was taught in seminary or something like that. I don't, I don't know his background, but so, so I'm not, I'm not at all meaning to call him an abuser, but I do think that the message he's preaching is used by abusers. It's not going to stop abuse. It's not going to slow it down. It's not going to help with any of that. If anything, it's going to keep it the same or make it worse, probably make it worse. It's also just really ironic and maybe a little convenient when you say, you know, you're Matt Chandler here, the president of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. He's pastor of the village church that has, and it's estimated around 14,000 people attend. Okay. There's a lot of, the city I grew up in is, was at, it's like 20,000 or something like that. So you're essentially the leader of this small city. Then there's the Acts 29 Church Planting Network, which he's the leader of, which is 740 churches. Okay. So let's just wow. say there's, 500 to 1,000 people in each of the, I don't know, 100, 200 people. I don't know. That's thousands and thousands. Probably we're talking over 100,000 people here. And with his reach and influence online, podcasts, books, YouTube channel, books, he's the leader of, you know, a few hundred thousand, maybe a million people. And then you're talking about these 700 leaders of these churches or 740 apparently leaders of these churches that are, you're saying we're all power hungry. Like it's, it's really convenient that you have all this power, but you're not power hungry. It's like, so you're, you're asking someone and it's, I've been, I've been the leader of much smaller things and it's really hard to not like the power and to not like the, the position of being a leader of something. Like it's, I mean, I think anyone out there who's been the leader of a Bible study or been the leader of a, uh, a small group or been a leader. Like it's kind of, it's, it feels good to be the leader of something. Now imagine you're the pastor of a church. Like it, it does feel good. And then you're the leader of the a church planting network. And I mean, I want to say that all these people have the purest hearts and probably a lot of them do, but it still gets in there of you, you know, you do tend to do things to set yourself up to keep the power that you have. That's just right. a human thing. We just mm-hmm. do. And so it just we feels see that like, inside and outside the church. That's right. And so, and hopefully it's a little better inside the church, but it's still going to exist. It's still going to be there a bit. And so to say that, you know, you're just abused by power, that's ridiculous. It's like, you're... <laughs> you are the power. Right. So like, maybe someone who has no power getting up there and saying something like that, I would be like, okay, like, I can hear you saying that. I appreciate that. Someone who has all the power, mm-hmm. it's really hard to hear them say, you're just going to say you were abused by power. That's ridiculous. Like, it's really hard. I I don't know. I don't know what else I'm saying other than that's a really hard message to hear from someone who has all the power. Yeah. And yeah, it makes me, my stomach kind of turn too. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, what did you say last? Anyway. All right. Well, that's the end of that clip. Okay. What a, what a clip you found for our first response episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Again, to restate what we said at the beginning, this isn't as much about responding to Matt Chandler as much as that he in this clip is a voice of um, some rhetoric that we hear a lot about throwing out the baby with the bathwater and you know not judging Jesus by the church and the church abuse isn't that big of a deal and you know we're not perfect so all those are things that we've talked about through this clip and I'm glad we did 
nice, nice choice. I'm excited to see where we go from here. I hope it's been helpful and that you as a listener feel a little more um, prepared, not just to, you know, combat someone in a conversation. Um, I don't even really like using the word combat. It feels a little just too aggressive. But if anything that you feel maybe more validated, even just in your own mind, that has maybe you've felt torn when you hear some some language like this, because you're like, what if they're right? What if I am overreacting? What if I actually don't, you know, I'm not doing this right. Or maybe you go, I know that they're not right, but I just can't explain why. I hope that this has been helpful to just hear this conversation. Um, and we would love to hear from you whether what other things we can respond to. So yeah, head over to almostheretical.com. You can get in touch with us there. If there's other things that are just kind of, you kind of stir around in your head and you're like, ah, I heard this and I'm not sure what my response is. Or I know, like, I don't agree with it. But I'm just not sure how to how to articulate that or how to respond. I'd want to hear you guys talk about that a little bit. We'd love to do that. So you can submit that there. And also you want to talk about more of what we shared in this episode mm-hmm. um, or you want to share other thoughts and you want to um, share other audio or things like that and talk about it with other listeners of Almost Radical. We have this amazing private Facebook group just for patrons, just for supporters of this show. It's just five bucks a month to support. We'd love to see you in there. It's lots of wonderful conversation that happens in there. So life-giving, so refreshing, and um, it's it's great. We do these also these monthly Zoom calls with all of you, and it's great to meet you and get to hang out and, and talk about all this stuff face-to-face with each other. All right, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening.